thank you um, for being here this morning. This is our first Sunday of 2022. Uh, today we launch a vision toward 2025, uh, but God bless us now as we launch 2022. Before we go any farther, if you, again, didn't get a blue folder or a bulletin, raise your hand, and here comes Aaron with those bulletins. And um, we're going to go through some stuff this morning together that will be in that. Before we march on into the future, sometimes we Americans are so forward-minded, we forget to thank God for what we just experienced and how he has carried us through things. So just a quick review of 2021. I just I remember the transition from 2020 to 2021 vividly. It was one year ago. The world has changed. It is a different world than it was just three years ago. And, you know, Jesus, true church, always strengthens in refining fires, and those are coming increasingly so in, in the world and in, in the entire globe, not just our country. But, um, I, you know, I just want to thank God for his strengthening of his church, and I believe that's uh, been true of this church. I want to celebrate some of my personal highlights from this year together, this last year. Uh, we started the year last year with a four-month men's leadership class where I, where I went through that with 30 men uh, from our church, and that was a real highlight. We're about ready to start that again in a few weeks. Uh, so, men, I invite you to be a part of that. Uh, we held a huge Passover Seder in April, if you remember that. That was a really special time of the year. Uh, we had a worship service and baptisms at the park this summer. Wasn't that a good time to be out there? And then a church camping weekend was a lot of fun. We took 63 people to Kentucky for the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum trip. And then the forgiveness series this fall was, I, I believe, a real highlight. And then our staff and elders retreat in November, where we tied up a lot of this vision planning uh, to, that we're launching today. What a year it's been. What are some of your favorite memories from the last year in our church life? Does anybody have one they want to shout out real quick? Chili cook-off, very good. Chili cook-off's always a good time. One more. Soccer camp, how did I forget soccer camp? Thank you, Heather, I'm so glad I asked. Soccer camp was a huge week for our church in this community. So praise God, always take time to thank him uh, for what he's doing. 2021, we called all along from last January on, we called it the year of creating vision. It was the year we created a, a vision team and and uh, we wanted to really pray and seek the Lord's direction for the future of community grace, exactly what he might have us do. No, no single church can do it all. So what is he going to have us do and, and become and be? So this today is kicking off the long-anticipated Vision 2025 series. We're, having a three, we're starting the year with a three-part series on vision. And the purpose of this series is to communicate well and to make sure that you, uh, your communication has been heard and received. The purpose of the series is to lead the church well and to ensure that we're all on the same team, on the same page, heading in the same direction into the future. In one of our monthly uh, vision team meetings this year, our lead financial officer, Steve Clayson, prayed this prayer, and I wrote it down. He prayed for infinite clarity. And I really appreciate that, and I believe that God has been answering that prayer, and, and I've been really excited to tell you the story of 2021, the, vi the creating vision story, and then roll it out together this morning as we kick off the year. One of the first things we did was 
last year was create this vision team from staff members and elders, and we met every month for an enormous amount of prayer and research and discussion <clears throat> over those months. And I just want to publicly thank the members of that team. We had Matt Sterrett, Steve Clayson, and Tristan and Alex Spooler, Sean Mason, Heather Faust, and Jay Bell. Can we say thank you to this team that gave a lot of their time? So here's the story. See, Community Grace already had a great mission statement. Uh, this mission statement has been around for some time. Uh, it's one of the things that appealed to me as I was looking for a church where God would lead me a couple years ago when our family moved here. It is. It's on the back of your bulletin, on the box, on the bottom. It's always there every week. This is our mission as a church. Our mission is that we exist. We exist to glorify God by being Christ followers who make Christ followers. Now, that's Jesus' mission to every Christian and to every church. It's why it's on our wall. Go and make disciples. So another way to say that, if you're taking notes, you see that the first space on your notes, Community Grace's mission is to, in short, make disciples. This is the work of the church, the mission of the church. Now, the church didn't have a vision statement for quite some time. A vision statement is a statement of what it would look like as the church or the organization, whatever it is, is successful at the mission. And so we wanted to get together and define what is the preferred future? Where do we want to go? What do we want to be true of ourselves as we're together unified on this mission that Jesus has given us? And you see, God already knew the vision. He knows all. But it's a joy for us to seek it out. And so that was the year 2021. And over the last 12 months, we did church and ministry audits. We thoroughly examined every part of our church DNA. That's who we are, our, all of our comprehensive makeup as a church, our strengths, our weaknesses, resources, passions, the community context where we live, our experiences, our mission experiences and resources, and on and on and on. And then as, after we did that, we dreamed. We dreamed big time. What could God possibly have us in the next four years do? Limitless. God is limitless. So we dreamed, and then we assessed what barriers and obstacles and fears stand in the way of that. And God has blessed every step of the process. Also along the way, we examined various examples of vision statements and values statements and how other churches frame those because we wanted to pick the style and the content that fits community grace the best. And... Here's what happens. One of the interesting qualities of being Grace Brethren is uh, a strong reverence to the triune God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's part of the reason we have threefold communion and we baptize uh, by immersion and we dunk three times in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those kind of things. There's a, there's a reverence for the triune God and, and certainly all of creation testifies to his character as the triune unified God. <clears throat> so kind of picking up on that theme, we landed in an approach for our vision statement that is actually three statements. And those three statements are loaded words with a ton of meaning. And here they are. I'm ready to officially say them out loud for the first time. This is what three statements that look, look like, what it will look like as Community Grace is steadfastly obedient and successful in our mission. That is, we will worship the king, mature as family, 
and engage the world. These three statements, they're easy, easy to memorize, they're easy to understand, they're easy to, to repeat and permeate throughout our homes and our ministries and our planning. So in each of those three statements, there is a wealth, a wealth of biblical theology and truth and application and lots to, to understand, lots to unpack, lots to do. That's exciting. So what we're doing with this three-part series is we're going to focus on one of those each of these three weeks of 2022. So start unpacking them and start living them together. Now normally we would start with the first one, right? We're a Western linear thinkers, so you normally start at the beginning. That would be Worship the King. But I asked Tristan to co-teach Worship the King with me, and he is out of town today. So we're going to begin with Mature as family today. And that's okay. We're allowed to do that. We're going to go out of order a little bit. So mature as family is where we begin today. On your notes, if you're looking at the sermon notes, you see that I've simply broken up this statement, mature as family, into two main areas because those two areas, spiritual maturity and the church as family, are massively, massively important uh, doctrines and parts of the Christian life, and so we're going to split those up today and explore both and see how they work together. Two truths under mature. Let's begin with spiritual maturity. And on your notes, you see those two truths, the two statements to begin with. The first one is that spiritual maturity should be the goal of everyone. Of everyone. And when I say a word like everyone, that should have everyone's attention. Spiritual maturity should be the goal of everyone. Listen to this quote from pastor and author Steve Lawson, who I respect, how he explains this. He writes, living the Christian life necessitates the passionate pursuit of holiness. It is a core class required for all Christians. Godliness is a lifelong study, for no one graduates from the school of Christ this side of heaven. Progress in personal holiness is absolutely crucial. The Bible says, pursue sanctification, which is holiness, maturity, without which no one will see the Lord. To be sure, this pursuit necessitates self-discipline. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, discipline yourself, for the discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, Spiritual sluggards, beware. So this is a spiritual goal for everyone. The goal to grow in spiritual maturity. Now the second truth defines spiritual maturity. What is it? Spiritual maturity is first and foremost becoming like Jesus. First and foremost, the goal of everyone is to become spiritually mature, to become like Jesus. Let's look at what the word says. Here's just a few of hundreds of, of times these things are mentioned. Verses right from Jesus, John 13, where he flat out says in verses 13 to 15, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. In all things, in all ways of life, 
We become like Jesus. That's our goal. The epistles repeat this over and over and over through the New Testament. Here's just a few examples. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. This is what separates us from the world. This is why God has called us out of the world to be like Christ. And some of you need to hear this one. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. We mature. We become like Christ. There's too much at stake to play games while the world burns. This is a goal for everyone, to become more like Jesus all the time, increasingly so, and that school doesn't end, like that quote said, this side of heaven. So we're always growing, we're always maturing. And finally, that leads us to our main text for this point. That's Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, which has so many depths and dimensions to it. I'm going to emphasize some of those as we, as we read along. This is, Jesus, this is Paul writing about Jesus, and Jesus gave to the church for its health and purpose, for Jesus' purposes for it, leadership, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And it's very common to, to misunderstand the church leader's job is to do all the ministry. That's not biblical. The leader's job is to, look at what comes next, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we do. Everybody's in. Everybody's a part of the body of Christ. So every saint is equipped for the work of the ministry. Now it gives some purposes. Why? For building up, maturing the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. This is where we're going. Mature manhood. How high? He says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's becoming like Jesus. Mature, spiritually, in all ways. He goes on, he continues, so that we may no longer be children. What are spiritual children? Tossed to and fro by the waves, carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. This world is changing almost daily. We don't know what world we're going to wake up to tomorrow, let alone next year. And too many Christians, honestly, in the whole world, is being tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness, deceitful schemes. We grow up spiritually mature. The text continues, rather speaking the truth in love, if we speak the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, so we're all equipped, working together, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What a text! We could say a whole lot more just on that text alone, but here's the point. The ultimate cumulative goal of everything that we're doing together is for us to grow, to spiritually mature, to become more like Jesus in every way. If you have been saved by Jesus, from your sins into his eternal life, here's what, here's why. Here's why he saved you. So that you would become like Jesus, so that you will act like Jesus in this world, so that you'll think like Jesus, so that you will worship like Jesus. 
so that you will speak and pray like Jesus and serve others like Jesus and view others who are different than yourselves like Jesus views them and witness like Jesus and proclaim God's truth like Jesus and love like Jesus. So first and foremost, maturity is Christ-likeness. Here's an illustration that I, I really like that of what it looks like when a, when a church member is awakened to this kind of truth and becomes committed to this kind of truth, this kind of maturity, this, this pursuit. And as we transition into the second part, this is a good link between spiritual maturity and the church's family. This is a true story uh, written by a man named Tim. <clears throat> and here's how it goes. Tim and his family moved and became members of a new church that emphasized the role and responsibility parents have as the disciplers of their children. As he sat in a parenting class one day, becoming more aware that the Bible teaches this and just how much he had been avoiding it for years as a dad and husband, he couldn't help but stop the teacher and begin to speak. I'm not much for public speaking, but if I don't get this out, I'm afraid that I might burst, he said as he nervously wiped his palms off on his jeans. He went on to tell how he had been the superintendent of the Sunday school system in his previous church, a prominent megachurch in the area, and was considered one of the leaders in that body. However, he was for the first time realizing the standard by which he was measured was not very high. His eyes welled up with tears as he began to confess that he had never led his family in worship, Bible study, catechism, or anything else. He had done them in church every week. However, he never had ears to hear that it was his job to disciple his family. He said he told his daughters that that was going to change, and it did. As he recounted the story to the group, he could no longer hold back the tears. Men, I have a successful business and have been at what most people would call the pinnacle of Christian service, but I wouldn't trade anything for the way that my wife and children look at me now. He went on to say that for the first time in his life, just by growing into the man Christ wanted him to be, he felt like a hero at home. Pretty great stuff. In that example, you see an awakening and an excitement over spiritual maturity and how it looked for one person, the impact that it made. And you see now in the, in the next dynamic in our vision statement, mature as family, you see this in full display. What you see is that growing in maturity, what does that look like for you? For Tim, that's what it looked like in that moment. This is an always ongoing thing, and you need to, to pray and see, what, what does that look like for me? As I, what's my awakening? But here's the thing. We have to go on to the next point because growing to maturity in any way, cannot, it was not designed to happen alone. Never designed by God for that. Rather, spiritual maturity happens in community and in relationships of a church family. And so we get to point two, we mature as family. They are connected inextricably. So, believers in Jesus, church is your family. 
Now, the Bible uses other metaphors to describe the church. Jesus' body is absolutely huge. It's critical. It's important. We are Jesus' body. We're his hands and feet in the world. He's our head. The Bible calls the church Jesus' bride, and there will be a marriage someday. In fact, our, our marriages on this earth reflect the marriage between Christ and the church. That's important for us to understand that. We're also called a building with Jesus as the cornerstone and others. But the family is the most common metaphor in the Bible for the church. It's found on almost every page in the New Testament epistles. In just Paul's 13 epistles, for instance, the words brothers and sisters appear 139 times. The word father appears 63 times. And the words son, sons or children appear 56 times. So in Paul's 13 epistles, there are 258 references to the church as our family. Jesus and the New Testament writers, all of them, were continually expressing their deep love for each other and their loyalty to each other, their commitment to each other in the face of anything, the sharing resources together, the sharing mission together, and their unity together. And further, a relationship with God is never separated from a relationship with the church. Never. Never in isolation. And there is no reference to making disciples ever producing an isolated believer, but always a congregationalized believer into a church community. The church, the Christian life is family life. Let's look at the word. See how strongly Jesus assumed this in Mark 3. Where we read, he says flat out, uh, and his mother and brothers came and standing outside, he was in a crowded place, they sent to him and called him and, and a crowd was sitting around him and, and they said to him, your mother and brothers are outside seeking you. And look what Jesus answered. He answered to them, who are my mother and brothers? And looking about those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoa. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus taught that there is a biological family that comes by birth. And there is a spiritual family that comes by rebirth. The first is by blood. The second is by his blood. And the healthiest place to raise a biological family or to be a biological family is in the context of a healthy family church family, spiritual family. Jesus never said, thou shalt go to church. He said, I gave my body and my blood to make you my church family. Now, after Jesus ascended into heaven, then the book of Acts begins. And the book of Acts is the history book of the first Christian churches. It describes what Jesus' intention for his church looks like as it goes out into the world's history. So let's look at Acts chapter 4, just, just one little portion of where this very thing uh, takes place that Jesus set in motion. Let's look at 4 verses 32 through 35, and can we embrace this vision together for our church? Now the full number of those who believe, that's everyone, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. They had everything in common. 
that unity led to, verse 33, and with great power, leads to power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold to take care of people's needs and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This, it's not a command here to do exactly that. This is a description of what it looks like when the Holy Spirit's power is on a church and it's unified and as a family, a spiritual family, functioning together, caring for whatever needs there be. Now, that, at that time, food was scarce. It was hard to come by. That was, the, that was one of the predominant needs they had to provide for each other. We live in a culture where food isn't as scarce, not yet anyway. Um, it's not scarce right now, but there's a lot of other needs that we share. There's isolation and, and mental needs and emotional needs, and, and there are physical needs to be sure as well. So what does that look like? Here's our vision for being a church family who's maturing together. What it can look like for us is small groups that are caring for each other like never before. Ministry teams and mission teams that don't just, you know, kind of partner to do a project, but really partner together and care for each other and love each other and stimulate and stir each other up. It looks like in a church like ours where we become dear friends, one and all, and open our homes and our hearts to each other. Our deacon fund and our community fund caring for financial needs when financial needs do come up. It looks like us sharing our hearts and our passions with each other. We stay, we embrace pain together, and we grow and mature together. We disciple each other. As I said earlier, those are the two parts, mature, spiritual maturity, and church as family. And they are both immense in scope of importance. But then point number three, if you're following your notes, is Jesus' appointed mechanism for both maturing as family by discipleship. As you reflect, what what do I need in my life for 2022? I'm going to say you probably don't need more experts, podcasts, books, although those things are good. What you need, though, for your spiritual life, what we all need is simple, small, consistent steps in the Word and in prayer and in fellowship and support of our brothers and sisters. This is discipleship. This is what Jesus ended the Great Commission with, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. We walk together and learn together and grow together in relationships, taking small steps, seeking the word, seeking prayer, in relationships with each other. And what do you focus on in these meetings? You've got to focus on something. If you're just focusing on fishing or football, that's not what we're talking about. Those are great doors in, but they've got to be more intentional than just that. So what do we focus on together? Two things here. Spiritual disciplines is the first. 
This is a, just a way to categorize a lot of what God says to be doing. He said to be praying and, and taking in the Bible and witnessing and all the spiritual disciplines. You know, like anything you've gotten good at, it takes discipline, and then you get good, and discipline becomes delight, right? So spiritual disciplines are keys to growth, and it's what we do together. We read the Bible together, we study it together, memorize and meditate on, on God's word together, try to understand it, try to apply it, see how it applies to my marriage, to this job situation, to this conflict. It's what we do in, in our discipleship. We pray together, we pray continually and share the gospel and, and spur each other on to those to serving and, and using our gifts to build up the church and to, and to bless the world. And through the spiritual disciplines, through doing those with somebody and accountability and support and encouragement, that's how we come to know God, like really know God. That's how we come to experience God. And that's how we come to live victoriously. Then we focus on relational discipleship. Discipleship, it's all about relationships. The gospel is all about relationships. Spiritual maturity is all about relationships. Discipleship is all about relationships. Ministry is all about relationships. Mission is all about relationships. Intentional relationships, those that actually accomplish something. That's what Jesus died to give us, and it's what he modeled for us throughout, and we follow him. And so at that point, I'd like to have you open the blue folder that's been burning a hole in your lap here, and we're going to finally see what's in it. And you see five handouts. We're going to give these out all three of the Vision Sermon Weeks this week and next two weeks, and you can bring it back the next two weeks, and we're going to give new papers each week. These are key documents for our vision going for the going forward into the future. I don't have time to spend um, to examine them all deeply, but let's look through them. The first one, the blue one, there's going to be three of these over the three weeks. This one uh, boils down on mature as family and gives basically a, a kind of a doctrinal position on that, and it's a statement of a lot of the things that I've talked about today and other things that we'll talk about over the over the coming future. So you can re reference that anytime to understand more and more clearly as we go. On the back of that paper is a very helpful tool, the discipleship wheel. The Bible speaks in terms of spiritual growth just in the same terms as physical growth. We all start as a baby. It's called being born again. We start as a spiritual infant where we're dependent. We need other people. We don't fully understand the word and the world yet through spiritual eyes. But then as we do, as we study the Bible, we, we become a child. We long for that pure spiritual milk like a child does, but then we leave the milk and go on to solid food, and we're starting to become less self-centered like a child and more like an, a, a young adult, all the way into spiritual parent. This is a great tool to help assess where you are, and it tells you once you do what you need right then to grow to the next level and to lead other people in your lives to that. It's a great discipleship tool and a great personal tool. We're going to spend a little bit more time on the next paper, and that is our two-lane church life highway. Pull that out, and the <clears throat> progression will be on the screen as well. I've worked really hard over the years in, in 
sought a lot of resources to, to try to find helpful tools to, to really crack the nut of, well, how do we take this big book and really understand it and live it out? And this is one of my favorite tools that I think will be very helpful for our church going forward. This illustrates very well our, the entire church life, the entire Christian life. So let me show you what we're looking at. <clears throat> In church life, there are four different on-ramps to getting into church life. Everybody is here for one of these four reasons, or a mix of them. Let's look at them. <clears throat> None are better than the others. Praise God for all of them. The first one is outreach, curious, awakened. Either someone explained spiritual truth to you, and you're like, I'm awakened, I'm interested, I want to hear more, so I go to a church. Or maybe it was just, you were curious and started researching. Maybe you read a Gideon Bible in a hotel, and you know, this is special to me. I got I to gotta go find out more. So you, go, so you come to a church life. The next one is suffering, loss, or transition. There's a lot of people who's, who one month will say, I'll never go dark, darken the doors of a church, and then the next month some suffering, loss, or major transition has, has them open to God. It's the pain that shakes up our complacency and causes a hunger to seek God. And so a lot of people who visit our church, maybe going through a time of suffering, loss, transition. We need to be aware of that and embrace them and, and walk with people through that. And in that way, God redeems the suffering and loss and transition for our good as it's driven us to come to him. The third is the need for freedom or healing. When people have suffered a, an addiction or bondage of some kind, some kind of brokenness, and they've had enough and they need healing from it. They'll come to a church. Um, one example is my former church in Washington State had a, a well-known marriage ministry. It was well-known in the community. And we had so many couples who had, who had no interest in going to a church, but they didn't want their marriage to end. They would do anything to save their marriage, even come to a church. And so a lot of people came uh, for that. Just an illustration why people would come to, into the church life. And then fourth is raised in church. And this is a blessing. It's a blessing to grow up in a church under the teaching of the word and with dynamic examples of people living out the Christian life. So it's a gift, kids. It's a blessing. Don't seek to leave it as soon as you have your freedom. That leaves you broken out there. So that's how we get in this. And, and now that we're on this journey together in the church life, you see next that there are two lanes on this highway. <clears throat> the program lane and the personal lane. The program lane involves the regular planned activities that are usually in the church building. This is the organizational side of church. And having this lane is completely necessary. But... There's another lane. That's the personal lane. And this is, this is the highway that it's okay to drive down the middle of the road. In fact, that's the design. That's Jesus' design. The personal lane is more organic, and it involves small, intimate settings and relational opportunities. You see the word messy there. It's messy. And churches in the world, by and large, tend to drift one way or the other. Either they don't do programs at all, the more American way is to do only programs, and we don't really want to get into messiness, right? 
Jesus designed for his church and for the Christian life is bold. So we drive in the middle of the road, and the key to our vision is to be a church that does both equally well and in good tandem with each other. All right, so now as we go down this road, we get to the boxes, we see how they're organized. Uh, the church is, the programs are structured and planned and have, have a wider appeal, often in the building. Organic, messy, not in the building, flexible. Next box is initiated by the staff in the program lane. Staff or ministry leaders initiate. They do a great job. We create programs. In the personal lane, it's, it's initiated by God's spirit in any dynamic. I mean, you, you can start a personal discipleship or relationship just from the top down, from the bottom up, from side to side, from hurting, from joy, from fear, anything. How the Holy Spirit moves and then we discover that and, and develop it. After that, you know, I, and, I, and I see it's initiated by, I want to focus on the family especially too. This is our first discipleship areas within our households. And I just picture Ed Boggs was in the service last, last service. And I just, he's a farmer. And I picture him with his high school son, Thomas. And they're out. The Holy Spirit initiates. They're working on the farm. And, and Ed's teaching Thomas about what he knows about the word. They pray together and about how to be a man. And there it is. There's discipleship in relation to personal lane. It's initiated by relationships. All right, the size is different, five or more, program lane. And in the, five, in the program lane, there are three biblical-sized groups that meet in the church. And you need to be involved in all three of them. One is the corporate gathering on Sundays it is critical to the Christian life. But two, also, there's kind of mid-sized trainings for equipping, also necessary and biblical. And then three is the smaller groups. That's for community and intimacy. And those are necessary, too. And our small groups kick off again in a few weeks. Next week, we'll have the list of small groups that have room in them. And I encourage everybody to be in one uh, for this winter-spring semester. In the personal lane, it's four or less. We're talking one-on-one -on -one or maybe a three-person group or a four-person group at the most. In the Bible, we see Paul, Timothy, and Barnabas, and it's a, it's a good encouragement to have one of each of those in your life, a Paul, a mentor, a Timothy, someone you're mentoring. Paul mentored Timothy while he was encouraged by his friend Barnabas. So to have encouragers in your life is important too. Take a look at the next handout real quick at this point. I have really enjoyed this tool. It's helped me understand discipleship and Jesus' plan that he had in mind. Jesus chose his 12 men, and in those 12 men, he had three, remember? He had an inner circle of three guys that he spent all kinds of extra attention with, Peter, James, and John. And this is how he changed the world, not just with a big megachurch and preaching from a stage alone, so this tree is helpful if you write your name here and then write the three people who you're discipling. Everybody can do this. This is for everybody. Just teach somebody what you know. Get, open the word together, pray together, whatever it is. Challenge them to, to grow, to be better. And then part of that challenge is to, to tell them to do the same, to identify three people. And it doesn't take long for the entire globe to be in discipleship. That's a great tool.
Just real quick, uh, speaking of tools, that's the fourth box. Program laying, preaching, teaching, organizing. Hey, we're going to do that and love it and do a better job all the time. We need everybody all, to be all in. The tools for the relational lane are more listening, talking, storytelling, visits, visit in the hospital room, wherever that may be. Going through a workbook together, do disciplines together in relationships. And then the content for the programs is what all disciples need to know and experience. The content in the discipleship is what you need to know in that moment personally. And this is the Christian life, and it's a beautiful thing. So we're understanding this, and our vision is that everybody is driving down the middle of this road, embracing and enjoying the entire Christian life. That's what we do, church family. Now there's one more slide that's the fulfillment of this, and that is, hey, when things are going well and we're driving down the program lane and the personal lane and doing ministry and discipling and growing and challenging and everything's great, that's great. But if you look at the, at the, at the highway as a lifelong, long road trip, you know, when you take a long road trip, sometimes the car breaks down, doesn't it? Sometimes you have a flat tire. Sometimes you need an oil change. Sometimes the engine blows up. And that happens. And it happens in life also to all of us. In those moments, the church has to provide the auto repair shop. And we are beefing this up as much as we possibly can at Community Grace. There is a need for freedom sometimes. If there's, again, if there's addictions and you just come forward like, I need, I have to get out of my ministry and and just living, just pretending to live a normal life, I need help. I need healing. I need freedom from a brokenness, from a conflict, or I need counseling. And I just want to encourage you. There's no shame in that. And we're all in this together. So come and get the healing, the freedom from bondage, or the counseling that you or your relationships need. And you'll find it here by God's grace. We're not going to ignore sickness and injury in, in any of these areas. So let's pray and be there for each other as Jesus heals. So 2021 was the year of creating vision. 2022 is the year of implementing the vision. We're kicking it off today. We're not finishing it today. The year of implementing the vision. So here's a few milestones, uh, things to look forward to over the course of 2022. The first is right now. That's what this next handout is, is a spreadsheet of various places in the church family where we need you all to serve. All of these places need the gifts and the callings and passions that you have to plug into those. And as you're all doing your part well, the whole body is, is healthy and maturing. Um, we have asked all the ministry leaders if they have urgent needs, and, and some replied, yes, we have urgent needs, and we've made those red. If you see anything in red or even in black uh, that you would like to jump in and, and be contacted by a ministry leader, would you please fill that out, mark that box, and put it in one of the offering boxes on the wall. 
So as far as the milestone of implementing the vision, that starts right now. And we would love to see some of those uh, begin to be filled even right now. Other milestones throughout this year, uh, we plan to have uh, new banners with the vision statements on them and the uh, and letterhead changed and, and lots of things like that over the next six months. Our goal is to have all that out by June. Others, small group leaders, appreciate small group leaders so much that, that put the vision into relational shepherding. We have small group leader training next week if anybody is, just wants to be in a leader training. That's next week after the services. And then we're going to work with all the ministries to get aligned over over our vision, so we're all on the same page. And on February 26th, we'll have a team huddle like we did last year. We had 80 people come, just any, any leader type of any, anything uh, comes together to figure out how to put it all in action. So a lot, of, a lot of fun things to look forward to. There's one last document that unites us together that I'm really excited about. Part of the year of creating vision together as the church leadership, we created 25 goals. For 2022, and these are exciting. I'm not going to look at all of them, but let me read the the few that are under mature as family, <clears throat> and then we'll keep looking at this all throughout the year. All right. So under mature as family, our goals for 2022 as a church are that every attender is challenged to give, serve, and connect in discipleship relationships. Number eight, see every member equip someone else to do what they do for Jesus. Goal. Number nine, to launch a new family ministry structure and legacy path. That's an, uh, that's an uh, structure that unites children's ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry, adult ministry, seniors ministry all together, men's ministry and women's ministry all on the same page. Very cool. Ten, revitalize children's ministry to connect better with family. Eleven, revamp our college career and young adult ministry. Twelve, connect every high school senior and grad in the church family. Love that one. So they don't leave. Thirteen, all leaders engaged in some form of continuing education. Fourteen, hire the highest character and competency executive or associate pastor that fits the chemistry and vision of our team. We've been talking about our growth and staffing, and that's a tangible goal. And then 15 is develop a pastoral training and residency program. We have all these young up-and-coming ministers of the gospel in this community and in this church, and we're going to get fully developed in that area this year by God's grace. Pretty fun group of goals, isn't it? I am so thrilled to be a part of this with you all, Community Grace family. There is no limit to what God can do in 2022. There's no limit to what God can do. So for next steps, I just have one today, and that is for you to join Jesus' vision here at Community Grace for maturing as family. It's not automatic. It's something that you have to choose to do, and we invite you to do it. Here's some specific ideas. Our Wednesday night ministries are all growing. Could you consider just making Wednesday nights a night of the week that you're here on campus. That would be great. You can use that spreadsheet to sign up for one of those roles. Not in a small group. Get in one. The kickoff's just three weeks away. Over the next three weeks, you'll see the list. Very easy to get in one. Financial Peace University could serve as, as your group or an extra thing that's going to start again. And then the baptism class and church membership class are both coming next month 
Those are important ways to connect into the church family through baptism or church membership. And then finally, buy a Grace in Action t-shirt. $10. They're out for sale right at the Resource Center. And when we do our Grace in Action community events, uh, you got to have one of these to put on so we uh, have an identity out in the community. Where is God going to take us? He knows. It's our joy to find out. Let's pray and ask him for his great blessing. Lord God, this has been, uh, it's almost surreal to, uh, to communicate the, a year's worth of work and prayer. And I'm just so thankful um, for how, the, how you've blessed it, how you've revealed, how you've guided and led and, and shaped us and caught our attention and, and unified us now. Lord, we pray against the enemy that wants to continue to lie and deceive. We know his schemes. We're not ignorant of them, but we do fall prey to those. We pray that your spirit gives us discernment and power to overcome all of that and not miss to any, to any degree the blessing that you have for our lives, our families, and our church family as we grow to be more like Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Pray for anybody who does not know Jesus yet, who hasn't been brought to life through him yet, that this could be the day of their salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.